everyone. Welcome to The Travel Coach, Moving Body, Mind and Spirit. My guest today is a former Lance Corporal in the Danish Army who brings years of martial arts experience to her current practice as an intuitive mentor and body behavioral transformation expert. Her main focus is to help her clients to have more fun and feel more energized doing what they do with the use of bodywork and spiritual tools. Julie Philo, welcome to The Travel Coach. Thank you so much, Sonia. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to have you on board today. So we have lots to talk, but first of all, as always, I would like to start knowing more about what's your relationship with travel growing up? What are the memories you have from that phase of your life? Um, I live in Denmark and it's a very small country and I lived in a, at a little island and we were sometimes in the holidays going from this little island where Hans Christian Andersen lived over to Copenhagen to visit my, my aunt and my uncle and it was a great experience going there, sitting there as a little girl in the car and going on the ferries or even taking the trains with my mom. I loved exploring new things and, and being at new places. So I always, oh, I always so had, good. yeah, I always had this adventurous side. I want to learn new. I want to go to new places. I want to see new people. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing this. So as I introduced you, I introduced you as a former member of the Danish army. I suppose here my question, my first question for you is what made you to decide? What made you decide to enroll to the army in the first place? I am still in the army. I am a Lance Corporal of the Reserve. And so I'm still okay. a soldier. Yeah, I was going to go and be and receive training the next three days, but I'm not, a, I'm, I'm, I'm off. I have to do something else. So I've always been this little warrior. Yeah, I always, I've always been this little warrior and soldier by the heart. As a little girl, I grew up in in a lot of resistance and violence and trauma so quite early in life i put up my guards and had to protect myself so at the age of 18 deep subconsciously my subconscious little inner girl said i want to go in the army i want to protect those who aren't able to protect themselves because i needed the protection so i gave the protection to others that i didn't get in my childhood so that's why I wanted to get into the army, to protect those who needed protection from me, said the little girl. <laughs> that's, so that was That's it. good. Okay, apologies for the mistake. So I, I understood that you used to be. So you are still in the army. That's, that's awesome. Since you were 18. Yeah, I was 18 so when I you... went. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how is your evolution? How... What was the, you know, the girl who enjoyed the army and, and Julie today? What's the evolution within the army? When I was in the army, I was, I, was, I was in my survival mode because that's how I grew up. I grew up with women's hatred. I grew up with resistance and with violence and not being 
not feeling welcomed. So entering the army was like coming home. Oh, they don't like women. Women aren't allowed. I'm not, I'm not allowed to have a voice or any feelings or any needs. I'm not even allowed to be a woman. And there was the resistance and the fighting for your own survival. So it was kind of like coming home. So back then, let me sit straight up. So back then I was more like that, also boxing with the national team. And it took me 10 years. And then I was 28 and I was completely worn out. I, was, I had severe PTSD, not because I've been sent shipped abroad, but 10 years of, of feminine suppression of, of having up, being guarded, protecting myself, looking out for myself, standing up for myself, always being on guard of men flirting with me, asking me out, having a bad, um, what do you say that, when you get a personal review? When, when I was, when, I, when, when, when we had these evaluations, I was never evaluated as a soldier, never. Never ever for my professional skills, I was al always evaluated and looked upon as a woman. I was never in the men's eyes a soldier. Of course, some of my closest friends I was. So we women always and still today have to prove, prove our worth. We have to be better at everything. So when I left the army, I had severe arthritis, chronic pain, two eating disorders and PTSD and allergies and food intolerances. I was completely worn out and I actually didn't want to live anymore. So I left my family behind. I said, I'm not going to be any, take any part of this traumatizing environment who puts me down like I was in the army. And I isolated myself in a remote area in Denmark. And that's where I started to figure out. And I made this poster on my wall. What do I like? So whenever I figured out, what do my new feminine, vulnerable self like? Ooh, I, li I like and I love cooking. So I would put it up on my poster. I like and love being fit and living healthy. I put that up on my poster. Ooh. I love traveling, I figured out. So I put that up on my poster and, and whatever I loved, also studying and learning new and nature, I put that up on my poster. So I figured out what my new future feminine self liked. And it also took me 10 years to become a human being. And then it took me five years to become a woman with feelings and emotions and wow. needs and even figuring out who am I okay 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 let, let me stop you there for a second so from your background you said right so you you enrolled to the army do you receive more of what you were used to and kind of uh, reflect right what you had inside and 10 years after when you were 28 you decided that was enough and you retreat yourself to think about what you wanted to do for your future. What triggered that? Mm. So what happened for you to flip that? You know, something had to happen for you to say, enough is enough. I'm going to retreat True. myself and figure it out who I am. What happened then? So in 1999, um, when I, I, was, I was all the time in the army when these accidents happened. It was universal wake-up call. At first, I was attacked uh, by someone and I lost something within my knee 
Then I was in the television program, The Gladiators, and I felt three meters to the background and got this elbow. I got it ripped off, and, and, and I had every bone here broken and also my tailbone. So that was in 2003, and I, I died by that, at that accident. Two years later, um, I ended my job in the army because I realized that my whole life was one big charade. I was being someone I wasn't. I was searching for my father's approval. He died when I was nine, very traumatic with gun shooting and stuff like that. So it's kind of like all these near-death experiences. A former boyfriend from the army tried to kill me. Um, I, 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 was, I, I felt down on my motorcycle several times. And then... Just after I left the army, I was going on my motorcycle on my way down to sell it. And then a tractor hit me on my motorcycle. And before the tractor hit me, I said, the light is going to go off. That's it. My life is going to be over. And then when I was being flipped and tossed over the tractor on my motorcycle, I went up and I saw my whole life like a Diaz show, a PowerPoint show. And I was like, seeing all these 28 years going past me, and I was like, oh, this is my last chance. This is my seventh near-death accident. I'm going to go back because I now get the message. I'm supposed to be a woman. I'm supposed to follow my heart. And I'm not supposed to be in that male world anymore. And when the lights came back on, I was stuck between the tractor's wheel and the engine and the driver was up there. And for a while I was sitting in a wheelchair and I knew that this was my new beginning. I couldn't walk on my left leg because everything had been torn apart. This one had two new fractures. I broke my pelvis and I fractured also some ligaments in my left leg. And I knew that this was my final wake up call, sitting there completely naked not being able to, to take on my own clothes and shower and I had to get help. So that was it. That was the final wake up call at the 31st of August in 2005. But that was the seventh so you, time I died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of had to reinvent yourself, it was like revert, that and revert. And you knew for sure that it was the last chance, as you said. So, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh so I imagine right I only can imagine all the pain you went through and and you had to learn through this pain to 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 stand up as a woman as you said reconnect with this feminine side that you forgot that you could not uh, connect with what told you or how did you come with the decision that retreat yourself step away from where you were, what's the solution? Will you say that again, Sonia? Yeah. So you said that you had to retreat yourself, right? So I suppose you went alone somewhere. How did you come with this uh, as a solution? What, what was inside of you what, that was telling you, you cannot be here anymore, you have to step away? from this life yeah. and have calm yeah. and time for yourself? What was 
What was the emotion or the thought behind that decision? Um, I'm born a psychic. I always had these abilities. I have a strong, strong, strong intuition, which I always use in every session with my clients. And I just knew that I had outgrown the old life. I said goodbye to my family. I changed my name. I isolated myself. And, and I also knew that I didn't want to live, but I was smart enough intuitively to know that if I killed myself, I would be going in circles here because the, the, yeah, I would be stuck here until the day that I should have died. So I realized I can't change my family. I can't change you. I can't, I can only change myself. So that's where I started on a body therapy uh, education. And that also became my, um, getting my, my physical abilities back, being able to walk again. So I signed up to become a holistic therapist, body therapist. And that's where it started. And then my intuition just exploded. My intuition went bananas. So I've been following my that's intuition amazing. for 15 years. That's amazing years. to hear. So how, how travel came here to your life? When did you realize that travel was the thing that you needed to do to heal? Um, my intuition kept talking to me like, oh, you have to go to Rome or you have to go to Paris or you have to go to Norway. So when I, when I got up from the wheelchair, I was in a wheelchair for a while. The doctor said, you're never going to be able to walk, uh, do martial arts again. You're never going to be able to do skiing again. You're never going to be able to run again. And I went, <clears throat> so I went to Norway to go skiing. And when I was in Norway, I felt completely free and I felt alive and it was like coming home. So the, the extreme change in, in the environment, oh, it did me so well. It was like whenever I traveled abroad, I would leave behind the old version of who I used to be. So every time I went traveling, I gave myself a new beginning, a change of in, a change in environment. Environment, and when I come came home, I was not the same person anymore. It was kind of like, like Dumbledore in the, in Voldemort in Harry Potter movies. You you shred off the old layers, like the bird of phoenix, which is actually there on my arm. Whenever I went traveling, I would rise. Uh, and get, give myself a new beginning, rising from the ashes. I love that. So what, what do you think is that travel has, that has this effect, right? So you said it's like changing environment. What else do you think helps to this growth and, and transformation? So as a body behavioral transformation expert, nothing happens this is our everyday life. We just keep on going in the same circle. So I keep telling myself and my clients, we have to change environment to come out and experience something new. But most people have their family, their friends, and their work, and they go. So by moving, I've moved 20 times also, also lived abroad in France. So by moving, we change ourselves. We upgrade ourselves. Also, the fact that we that we, if we move from house number one to house number 15, 
what is what a change and what a transformation we're going to get because I'm a numerologist so I'm very much into numbers so so moving is breaking the pattern it's both breaking that pattern but also going in the same circles and the brain wants to keep us in the same environment and because I had PTSD I was constantly caught up in my own loop my brain was like there's still trauma going on here I'm still not safe but when I went traveling, my, my brain went, oh, something new. I'm still safe. Oh, I can learn new and experience new and I can change myself and still feel good. So it was, it was, as I always say to my clients, you can never change behavior if you're not changing the environment you're in with yourself physically, but also with our appearance going around in circles. Does that make sense, Sonia? Yeah, so what I, what I hear is that uh, we are trapped in our mind story, kind of. And if we don't change the environment, if we don't have some... I think the power of uh, changing environment also keeps you in the present moment, right? It's, it's something new that you are not used to. So you, it's like you get out of your um, routine or your autopilot and you have to pay attention because it's new, exactly. right? It catches your attention. And then you are more focused on what's going on outside, being more relaxed in the present moment versus staying in your mind and playing games there, right? So is this what I understand, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you, you teach your brain, you re, you're re rewiring your brain. Oh, there's another world. Okay, I'll adapt to that. And there's always a new level. And every expert around the world says, the hardest part is to change behavior. No, it's not. It's one of the easiest things when you move yourself from that physical level that you're at right now. Let's say you can only run three kilometers. The soon as you can run five kilometers, you also made a shift in your brain. So also moving to a new home with a different house number, you're also rewiring your inner self because you're changing yourself and adapting to a new house number also that's why i've changed my name more than 10 times and and we do the same when go when we're going traveling we're opening up our system and our brain and we're telling ourselves there's always something better a new level and i've been stuck for a while because i haven't been traveling yeah, <laughs> and that's and and that's because of you because you inspired me and also reminded me, Sonia, that traveling is my passion. I feel alive and free and renewed, and in love with in 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 my life and in life in general when I go traveling. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. I love that to hear that. So, what what do you think? Why do you think people are, you know? hesitating to to change to change environment right change is something that human beings don't like so much and when you travel you change environment so it's something that we kind of postpone or we say yeah we want to but we how we can overcome this what do you think why this is happening i think our whole uh, planet everything around do you know we have visitors from greenland now hi connie Welcome. <laughs> so Greenland is here too. So the thing is, our whole world is created 
as a survive well in a survival state. We're also in a pandemic stress state, and that's now since 2020. But before that, we were all in survival mode. We had to struggle. We had to work. We had to achieve something. So we're always in an in a state of stress. And when we're stressed and have PTSD, we can't change behavior. We can't even change behavioral patterns. We don't have the energy to exercise and do good things for ourselves. So I think the, the, the stress that our society puts upon us, you have to be good. You have to look good. You have to be healthy. You have to be wise. You have to be resourceful. It's such a pressure so that oh, even going traveling, because our brain wants us to keep us in the old loop of we know what we have, but we, we don't know what we're going to gain. And if people just knew that going from one end of your country to another, which is quite simple when you live in Denmark <laughs> and also in Ireland, um, they're, they're only looking at the barriers. Oh, how can I get from there to there? How am I going to get from Denmark to Australia? Don't think about that. Feel how it is always as if you're already in Australia. Does that make sense? Don't think about how you're going to yeah. get there. Think about what you're going to gain when you get to Australia. Yes, it was a long flight and I was pretty tired. But all the things that I gained when I got to Australia, this huge continent. So, yeah, I think we, we focus yeah. too We've... much on, on the how. How am I going to get there? How am I going to get the money? And then we're not going to go anywhere. All the reasons, you know, all the, the obstacles, all the, the pain or the what we have to lose versus what we have to, to gain and the experience that we will remember forever. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, I heard that you've been traveling very, uh, you know, around the world. What would be one of the trips that you remember that is closest to your heart, that you remember especially? There's but so many of them um, going to Norway and living there for five months. Just after I left the army, I went to Norway and I was like, oh, man, all this fresh air and all the mountains. So just after I left the army, I had five months in Norway. And and then I, I also went 15 months to south of France when I that's where I left the, the, the last part of the PTSD behind me. Also, when turning 40. But it has, what, what I remember the most about all my travel traveling is the people that I met there and who is still a part of my spiritual family. Um, Connie from Las Vegas or Anne that I met in London who's from Holland or my friends in Norway or Sweden or Connie watching here from Greenland and my friends from the south of France or the friends I got to know on Hawaii. It's It's experience it's the relationships that we get to get with other people does that make sense yeah yeah so it's it's, it's about the yeah. people you meet that you would not be able to meet otherwise right if you just stay in your physical limits uh, of your country or your city or your region you will never get to meet all these amazing human beings out there that maybe you were meant to meet but you were just giving not yourself the permission to, to go and meet them. Yeah, exactly. And, and ex expanding our horizon makes us a bigger person. 
oh, I meet someone who looks different than me, who eats differently, who acts differently. And if I, as a spiritual mentor and spiritual person, can't cope with that, it's about me. If I don't like Peter, it's because I haven't done the inner work to accept and embrace the bullshit that Peter represents in me. So for me, it was always, okay, I'm going to go abroad and see how well am I doing? How many loops do I have to, or how many balloons of bullshit do I have to puncture, puncture this time? <laughs> wow, and, I really and, love that. So yeah, yeah, seeing what triggers you in, in other people who maybe have different beliefs, uh, different ways of acting, uh, different you know, ways of thinking, what triggers you is actually that part within yourself that you don't accept and that's why it triggers you so it's, it's an opportunity to to it creates awareness and it's an opportunity to heal these parts and love to these parts and, and evolve and grow yeah and i also believe that many of your clients as well as my clients are the sensitive souls but also many of them are introverts and introverts i'm an introvert 50 50 as well as i'm an extrovert and we all came back to be social beings. We're not meant to live alone as I have for many, many, many years. And we die when we don't get that social interacting, looking at each other's eyes and connecting and touching and hugging. We need that connection. And the internet is so shallow today. And whenever some of us are traveling, people abroad will always help you and include them in their environment often. Um, when I came to France, completely alone all the expats from holland and germany and usa and ireland and, and england included me in in their in their circles even those who were above and beyond 60 years or connie from from las vegas who's 70 so when we go traveling we think we we learn that friendships is not about age or background or religion it's about openness being open to one another, open yeah. to learning yeah. new. Wow, that, that's, that's, yeah, it's so curious, right? When I moved also to Ireland from Spain, I felt the same. So maybe people who in your country will not, you will not maybe meet or go out with, um, or you feel maybe lonely, you go out, you go abroad, and you feel lots of people who are in the same situation that kind of, yeah, feel empathy for the, the, what you are going through because they went through as well. And they welcome, with, um, welcome you with open arms. And this is something that you will mm. not experience if you stay in your own place. That's something that travel provides. No. Yeah, it's, it's in within us all to help one another. Oh, you have a problem. Let's fix it. When I was in Australia, it was so, such a big country and I was burning up. It was so hot. So this man approached me. No, I approached him and I asked for guidance. And he said, how are you doing in Australia? And I said, I'm lonely. I find it hard. But it was also a reflection of me being an introvert and not knowing always how to fit in amongst other people. So 30 minutes later, he texted me and said, so you want to go to the Gold Coast? I'm going to take you for a tour. You're not going to leave Australia believing that we are not... <laughs> um, opening, open and open-minded. So he took me on a tour yeah, yeah. the next three hours. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Just a complete stranger. So and this is also for your vulnerability, right? Because you were open enough to say to a person that 
you know, you trust your, your, your feelings. Yeah, and you said the truth versus like, oh, I'm fine, you know. So you were also open and vulnerable, which is important as well when we are going out there. Yeah, exactly. Also, when, you, when you're an introvert, you easily get stuck in your own world. It's me about, it's me against them. And he's noisy and she's too much and she's not available, introverts goes. And it's just bullshit. All the bullshit that we all have to keep ourselves stuck in the old loop, being so protective and self-guarded and masculine-guarded. And as I wrote, I, I read today John Gray's book, and he said, when you've got a closed heart, no one is going to hurt you but yourself because you've guarded yourself. So you're not going to get to know anyone. You're not going to get to experience love. You're only going to hurt yourself when you're guarded. And I love that. It's so true. Yeah, so true. Julie, so true. I really enjoy having this chat with you. And you know that we were saying before that time flies <laughs> when you're having fun. So we need to start wrapping up the conversation. But I don't want to let you go before you share with us your hidden gem. So from the place you are from, your town, your region, your country, what do you think is a must to visit? That maybe it's not that touristic, but everybody who goes there should see um, I even tell it to people from my own country, there is something called Steitner's Museum. So we had this um, artist called Rudolf Steiner, who made his own statue park up in the north of my island, north of Copenhagen. But I also teach every Danish person that I meet and every friend of mine and every tourist that I meet that in Copenhagen, we had this long canal and not many people take a bike trip at the other side of the canal, getting to experience Copenhagen from the other side. And they should do that. So if any of your followers ever going to come to Copenhagen, reach out and I'll, I'll share with you all my hidden gems for zero crowns. I just want to inspire you to enjoy our city from another, from another angle. We have so many beautiful places here in Denmark. We also have something called Hellebæk. Um, it's an old museum, museum and a gun factory in the middle of nature with a, with a ca cafe surrounding it. It's beautiful. It's called Hellebæk, north of Helsingør, oh, okay. which, is which is next to Malmö. No, Helsingborg. I can, I can teach you one day to your audience if they reach out. Good to know. Yeah, we take notes when we come to Copenhagen and, and uh, we will pay a visit to you as well. Yes. Thank you, Julie. Do. So before leaving, if anybody wants to contact you, what's the best way to do so? Just write to me on Instagram and I will always get back. Always. I answer everyone who, who writes me a, a message and, and I'd be happy to share my traveling experience. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you for being such a good guest tonight. I really appreciate your time and sharing your experience. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful, Sonia. Thank you, Julie, and everybody tuning in. Happy and safe travels. Thank you again. Take care. See you next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
For new adventures every week, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For more travel coach insights, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Sonia Cruz Oro. Happy travels!